welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I am Matthew Statler, and I'm here with Neil Grogan. And we're back at it again. Ten questions to diagnose your spiritual health. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a great book, you know, uh, to read through. Uh, Donald Whitney, he's an OG, you know, when it comes to spiritual disciplines and and maturing in the faith. Um, Matt, what are we... What did we discuss last time we met? So we did chapter one, and the first question was, are we developing a thirst for God, or do you thirst for God? And um, we talked a little bit about the thirst, the different types of thirsts that uh, Donald uh, sees in Scripture, and then he talks about the thirst of a satisfied soul, and then he... uh, broke into practical steps for thirsting. And I think the main takeaway for me was spend 25 to 50% of your Bible intake time meditating on some verse, phrase, or word from your reading and ask questions of it, pray about it, et cetera. And I think that was a major takeaway. Yeah, that that was the same for me, just the thinking and percentages uh, and really, you know, considering how do we move this this deep um, information from our heads to our hearts, you know, we got to, we got to meditate on God's word in order to do that and to develop a thirst, a thirsty nature, right? A thirstiness, a thirst for God. Well, today we're going to be talking about, um, are you governed increasingly by God's word? So kind of the idea there is that God's word should govern the heart and life of a believer, Um, but the believer should be growing in their desire to be governed, right? And he kind of opens with this great question, and, you know, we want to encourage our listeners to ask this question and, and answer it for yourself, and the question is this, what do you believe to be the most valuable, tangible object in the world? So take a few moments consider that what would you how would you answer that would it be the mona lisa uh michelangelo's sculpture of david um maybe the great pyramids <laughs> you know or uh, what were those russian eggs uh, i can't remember what they're called um oh, you know like what nesting eggs yeah 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 the fabric faberge eggs or whatever they're called um any any of those things might captivate our attention and our mind, but what the Bible tells us about itself is that it is the greatest treasure, right? Because it, it makes us wise to who the greatest treasure is. So if you think about what God's words is about, it's about God, right? It's God's special revelation of himself to us. So it, the more we increase in our knowledge and love for God, the more we understand how we were created to be our own design, the more we understand how we are to relate with our God, and the more that we grow in holiness and uh, and, and our you know we we are sanctified over time. We we are more like Christ as a result, and so God's word really is the hinge pin uh, for our sanctification or at least in the part where we engage in our, our side of the sanctification. Right. So you want to talk about the, you want to talk for a second about how the Holy spirit sanctifies the believer. 
and that 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 part god's work and then what our work is matt yeah and and the reason i think scripture is the most valuable uh is because there are things that are more important than just the physical needs yeah. right so like a, a thirsty man or a hungry man caught in a desert if you were to offer him michelangelo's david um or if you were to offer him one of these great works of art or, or even an iphone they would reject it because what they need is something more. And for us, um, we know that we do not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so if that's true, then our scripture uh, desire needs to be increasing for his word. And not only that, but uh, being governed by it, being controlled by it, uh, directed by it. And as you had mentioned, um, sanctification, the intake of scripture uh, gives more avenues. It provides um, a tool for the spirit to use to work in our in our lives. Um, you know, we have a synergistic view of sanctification, Neil and I do. Uh, and what that means is that um, we are made increasingly holy by God uh, through his spirit uh, into more Christ likeness. But this happens as we behold Jesus Christ more as Paul's letter to the Corinthians tells us. Uh, right. So uh, we want to engage with um, the process and God is a God of means, right? And so we don't, make ourselves more holy, but we get to participate in the process. And I think we can hinder the process and we can um, increase the process or or add value to the, not add value, but um, enjoy the process more. Yeah. Uh, so in, in some sense, you could liken it to marriage and um, me going home every night and giving my wife a kiss on the lips when I see her does not make me married. Um, that happened a while back, but it does in, uh, engender a closer relationship with her as I do that. Um, and that's the same thing with our, our spiritual growth is um, our spiritual participation does not make us more holy. It doesn't make us, um, it does not sanctify us itself, uh, but it does participate in the process, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so we directly participate in the process that the Holy Spirit is doing in us and guarantees to accomplish in us um, by, by these various means of grace, if you will. One of those would be God's word, intaking God's word, knowing it, hiding it in our heart, loving it, right? Desiring more of it. Uh, another it. one, yeah, obeying it. Another one would be prayer. Another one would be fellowship with the saints, right? Assembling together on the Lord's day to worship. Another would be practicing Sabbath rhythms, right? And rest. Uh, there, there are several different means where we grow in our uh, in, in holiness, where we participate in that work that the Holy Spirit's doing already in us. Um, but like you said, the, the main uh, vehicle for our spiritual growth and development is going to be God's word because what God's word does is it teaches us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness. 
not only that, but when you think about how the Holy Spirit works, you know, as Jesus says in John four chapters 14 through 16, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts us of sin and righteousness. Well, how do we become wise about sin and righteousness? Well, God's word makes us wise to those things. It, it lays us bare, right? So that the Holy Spirit can work in affecting change through God's word into our hearts. So, you know, the for the believer, this is something that we need to continually pursue, right? So I, I like to think of it, Matt, like, uh, you know, like mining, right? We want to be miners of God's word. We are striking the pickaxe into the depths of the cave, right? Looking for the veins of gold uh, to access versus like a, a panning for gold, right? When we pan for gold, we may get specks. But when we when we mine for gold, we may get massive quantities, right? Well, what we know about God's word is we're not meant to pan for specks. No, God's word, the whole thing is a vein of gold, right? And so we we must work diligently at reading it, understanding it, or intaking it, meditating on it, um, because what it does is it it is the agent that God uses to affect change in our lives. And so what Whitney says is that we should become more and more governed by God's word. Uh, and, and that kind of starts with, um, you know, I think desire, right? Like, why do you think so many believers, so many Christians aren't really in their Bibles? Like, what what, what do you think that is? Why do you think that is, Matt? I think there's so many different factors, man. Um, I think one is, is laziness. Uh, we just sure. get lazy. I think we have an abundance of recreation or abundance of uh, entertainment and things to occupy us. Uh, we're we're fooling ourselves to death. I think is is how some smarter people than me have put it. Yeah, uh, entertaining ourselves to death. Um, I also think there's a an ignorance, and not an ignorance in a mean way. Um, ignorance in the fact that it's kind of intimidating. You pick up a, a Bible; it has all these big numbers and small numbers. It has all these funny sounding names, um, and then as you read through something like Leviticus, and all you hear about is this is an abomination and that's an abomination. And, um, and you might be wondering like, what in the world is going on here? I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not grasping this. Um, so I think there could be an intimidation factor there, uh, a lack of, sure. of, uh, just understanding the, the contours uh, of what we have in scripture. Um, so yeah, I think there's lots of uh, different factors. Um, you know, we, we see in, in scripture, how it talks about our desires change as we are regenerated um, and we begin to hunger and thirst for things that are that we didn't hunger and thirst for before. Uh, and so I think a lot of believers maybe started out with that, uh, but then have tried to satiate it or um, ignore those thirstings, those promptings, those hungers um, by pursuing other things or not being able to grasp the reality of, of what um, you know what what we have in our hands, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis or um, well C.S. Lewis talks about mud pies. A boy yeah. in the slums playing with mud patties just doesn't have a, a, a conception of what it would look like to go to the ocean. Um, you know, people talk about well, if you want to make a seafaring people. 
don't teach them how to build boats, teach them to long for the sea. All right. And I, I think people have not been introduced to good biblical uh, teaching. And I think people haven't experienced the joy of scripture that, that we have with us and they haven't seen its power and its effect. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you're spot on there with, uh, especially with entertainment um, and then, you know, la laziness, I, you might communicate it. Another way to communicate could be busyness. I'm so busy that busy, right. Uh, we, we become so busy that we think at least intellectually that we don't have time um and so that that exposes what our values are i would add and that's too, me too neil you know that, oh, that's yeah, me you know like I, I i have either breakfast or bible time likely i'm grabbing breakfast right and it should be the other way around it should be like i want to i want to open the word and if i have time then breakfast yeah i would add to uh, to to caveat off of what you said about you know ignorance uh, or an unknowingness, right? Um, I think what happens a lot of times with people is they begin to read God's word, and when they struggle to understand, maybe because they're under uh, ineffective teaching or they're not in a church that is training their people or equipping their people to read, understand, and apply God's word. Um, I think what can happen is your spiritual weakness can become a badge of honor for you where you say, yeah. well, you know, I'm saved. I don't need to know these things. I'll come on Sunday. I'll let the preacher, that's his job, right? It's not my job. And I love Jeremy Pierre. He said, uh, you know, your job is to increase in knowledge and love for God. That's your job. Um, and I, I love the simplicity of that statement. Because the way we grow in knowledge and love for God is going to be by his word, right? Uh, and sitting under his word, hearing it preached, hearing it sung, hearing it prayed, um, doing it yourself, right? Like all of those things are the the means in which we grow in our knowledge and our love for God. I really appreciated what Whitney said, and I'll quote, quote him on this. Uh, he says, the Bible characterizes a genuine believer as not merely an admirer of God's truth, but one who loves it. Man, I, that's a humbling statement, you know, because Matt, you know, full transparency here, there are times when I really love God's word. I'm like super consistent, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the doves outside are, you know, <laughs> singing and, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm reading and coffee smells and it's just this wonderful moment. Right. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, ugh. you know, like, I mean, we just it is what it is. Right. Like that that's transparency. But what I what I appreciate about the. The uh, uh, what's the word? It's almost like an admonishment here uh, of, yeah. hey, the Bible tells us that believers who treasure, who grow in their love for God's word, that love, that desire, those affections are an attribute of a genuine believer. So when we have people who are maybe stagnant in their faith, right? And we ask the question, well, what are you reading in God's word? Most of the time, the answer is nothing. 
right? Yeah. Well, they're starving. You cannot hope to be strong, uh, to be effective, to be competent if you're malnourished. And I think that's really what what Whitney's kind of targeting here. Um, a genuine believer isn't somebody who um, is malnourished. It's someone who's eating the right food and growing in strength over the course of their lives. Why? Because they're eating the right food and the right food is God's word, right? No. Um, Yeah. I think uh, sometimes you you and I love illustrations because it just makes things real for us for some reason. A little sticky. Uh, It makes it more sticky, but, um, and I don't know where I got this, but one guy had mentioned, it's kind of like if you're on a journey and you're walking, um, you know, on a long, on a hike of some kind or a journey and you begin to go up a hill and it becomes harder and harder and harder. He's like, you, you sit down and you take a break and then you get back up and you continue movement. You don't stop, turn around and go home. Right. And I think a lot of times we do that in our Bible reading where our Bible reading becomes difficult or we get bogged down or life just gets crazy. And instead of just taking one step, I'm just going to read one chapter today, or I'm just going to make it, I'm just going to open the Bible and read one thing in my reading plan. Like I'm just going to make a small step in the right direction. And then, you know, we'll see how that goes from there. What progresses from there. I'm going to pray, do that. Um, but so many of us just say, Oh, it's not even worth it. I'm, I'm two weeks behind in my reading plan. Um, I'm going to have to give up and they just, and we give up, right? We give up for for months at a time, or and then we pick it up. We feel guilty. We pick it up, and I think that's the last thing we want to do is is heap guilt or shame on you. If you're if you're hearing this and you're not in your reading plan, um, I, I think our encouragement is sort of the questions that he asked here. And uh, on page thirty three, he said, um, and he's quoting John Piper. He says, "Loving the truth is a matter of perishing or being saved." indifference to the truth is a mark of spiritual death so are you indifferent to the truth of scripture are you in retrograde or does god's word have a growing influence in your life and i think if you're feeling guilty or ashamed that means that you're just in retrograde you're not dead so that should be an encouragement for us to move forward and and to make that next step Um, and, and neil the other thing that strikes me is we are in a um, a battle for attention in our world, right? Every everything you look at, everything you listen to, everything you see is attempting to draw our attention away from God and His Word, and so we have to legitimately fight to have God's Word be the influence that is supreme over all other influences. And I just I find that uh, His question here is. Are you getting an increasing influence of the word in your life? Um, yeah. Is what God's word say more? And he, I mean, he used some really piercing examples, right? When he talked about worship, uh, will this offend somebody rather than is this what God's word says? Um, and just areas that that need corrective. Yeah, I like to think of it like um, like this, Matt. The world and its means are seeking to form you. To, to form you into its own image. God's word and God himself is seeking to form you into his own image, right? And those things are at odds. So if you were to put those things on a scale and to consider your life, 
what are you more being formed by, right? And what what Winnie's targeting here is that man, the the genuine believer desires to be formed most by God's word and increasingly more by God's word. Now, when we, you know, maybe you're new to the faith and you're listening, you're like, man, like I've read like uh, two pages of the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. You know, just, I, I want to encourage you here. Men start small, take, like Matt said, take a step, um, which kind of goes into his application points uh, in this chapter of like, how do we develop a dependence on God's word? The first action step that we take is we need to deepen our desire for God's word. And the way we deepen that desire is actually by being in it, uh, which yeah. kind of sounds like silly almost like, well, what are the, what are the different ways we can get in it? And like, are you saying like, let's listen to it on an app or let's, you know, like whatever um, we, we can overthink it, but the simplicity of this uh, exhortation is, Man, we, we just have to get in it. And when we get in it, the more consistent we are in it, the more our desires and our affections grow for it. Why? Because we see its powerful effects on our lives, right? And and we as we continue to grow in giving God glory with our lives, with our thoughts, with our emotions, actions, behaviors, um, man, we're like sitting in the mission, <laughs> like we're like we're walking in our purpose that we were created to have. And when we are walking in our purpose, man, like everybody knows, man, when you feel like you have purpose in your life, man, you you are, you know, you're skipping <laughs> versus limping, you know. And uh when we're in God's word, that's what happens. We begin to skip, we begin to delight uh over time. He says here that nothing can make us hungry for Scripture more than Scripture itself. Yeah. Uh, and so under this deepening, uh, deepen your desire for God's word, he mentions um, going to a church that um, that does that does good exposition. Uh, he says, make sure you're in a church with heartfelt, conscious, conscience sir, stirring preaching that clearly comes from the pages of scripture. Yeah. Uh, you know, Neil, this is so important. People pick a church based on preference, uh, entertainment preferences, like all these tertiary side things. Um, and they miss the main thing, which is the preaching of the word, at least, you know, in my opinion, in, in, in my, my, uh, my experience and, you know, these other things are great to have, right. It's great to have a good kids program. It's great to have um, young families, older family, you know, older men and women that can mentor and, and all these other aspects. Uh, but if the preaching of the word is weak, you are going to develop a diet, um, yeah. a uh, a taste for weak preaching. And man, you know, I, I've seen this. Uh, other other pastors have shared this with me, and I've seen this in my own life, where someone will come having experienced, um, I would say, a imbalanced diet maybe it's maybe the pastor only preaches about politics or maybe the the latest pop psychology or uh, maybe they're just very entertaining they're so focused on having a good turn of phrase and just entertaining you um and and they've done that for many many years they come and they and they hear my preaching or they hear a you know a pastor who does uh, expositions preaching and they might say something like 
Well, you know, I know you handled the text well, and, and it was really well done, and 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 I appreciate that. But uh, I'm just not used to that much time spent reading the in, word or something in like the that. Bible. In the Bible, right? <laughs> and I and I usually just say something like, "Well, give it six months. Give it six months, and if you're not growing here, if you're not, uh, you know, growing in your faith, you know, look for another church. But but sit here, get your your palate attenuated." And man, I, I don't, the best compliment is when they come back after six months and just say, this is what I needed. I didn't know what I needed, and this is what I needed. And so, um, you know, pastors, if you're listening, that's an encouragement to keep preaching the word uh, faithfully and carefully. Uh, and then also, if you're in a church that has weak preaching, um, look around and, and consider your options. Yeah, and when we say weak preaching, we don't mean... Uh... We don't mean to say that strong preaching is entertaining preaching or captivating or whatever. You know, you think about Paul, Paul, Paul preached for like all night long. When one time some kid fell out the window and died, Paul rose right. him up from the grave and then he preached the rest of the night. Right? Like Paul, Paul was not this incredible orator, right? That does not, that's not the the sign of strong preaching the sign of strong preaching is faithfulness to god's word and yeah, is the main point of the passage the main, the main point, point of the of pastor's the message. message yeah right did he, he didn't just do a flip-flop grabbed a, a passage and then launch from it or use it as a drunk uses a light post yeah right he's he's this is what he develops his entire message from and um, i would add to I would add to Matt that um, the centrality of God's word in your church is a necessity. So like that comes down to the songs that are being sung, the prayers that are being prayed, the order of service. Like when, if God says do this in his word and the church doesn't, that's a problem. Right. Right. So God's word must be central to everything that we do in the body of Christ. And if it is central, then you can't help but grow. You can't help but to deepen your desire uh, for God's word. And, and, you know, Whitney also talks a lot about like praying through the scriptures is another way to uh, grow your cravings for it, your desires yeah. for it. Meditating on the scriptures, which we talked about last week uh, being so important all of these little things that we do will increase your desire for God's word. And then he kind of shifts, right? He says, you got to make time for it, <laughs> you know, yep. uh, which pushes against our culture. Our culture is one of busyness. You know, in America, we work more hours than most countries in the world. Um, and so we have, at least we think we have less time for God's word. If you want to deepen your desire for God's word, you make time for what you value. I think that's the message here. So you have to think critically about uh, what you're being formed by, like we already talked about, and then make adjustments and plans of to execute that will create margin for you to be in God's word, to intake God's word, to meditate on God's word, and so on. Um, that comes down. I mean, that's super practical, right? Like uh, we often don't think critically enough about uh, organizing our day around God's word itself. 
we we try to think about where can I fit God's word into what I'm already doing. You know, this is one thing I like about other denominational groups or other um, uh, organizations. My my buddy is an, an Anglican, um, and you know they do a uh, a, a, col- a reading from the Collect. I guess is what it's called, the Book of Common Prayer. Um, they do a salt. They do several Psalms, um, and they just they're very ryth- rhythmical, liturgical in their daily ordering of their their life. Right, they wake up. They pray, they read the passages in the Psalms, and, and of course we know it can become formulaic, and, and, and I get all that. But at the very least, there is a, a habit that has become a pattern, which has become a ritual. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I look forward to waking up and and having the the coffee that I have in the morning. Mm. Um, you know, if if I don't have coffee, Preach. I kind of. I have a I have a sad day, right? <laughs> we were we were going through a diet phase where we were um my wife was like, "Well, you can only have black coffee." And I was like, "Okay, that's fine, but that's going to ruin the rest of my day because this is the one thing I look forward to when I get up in the morning is this this bit of coffee and then opening the word and and reading." And um so so it's become a, a ritual for me, a a system that I just look forward to getting up in the morning and doing. Um, in fact, I, I feel bad or I feel less um, content, I guess you would say, if I don't get that opportunity. And so um, it's become a habit. The next thing he says is read the Bible daily and do not close it until you know at least one thing God would have you do in response to your reading. When you think about that one, Neil. Yeah, I mean, we're, that means we're to read the Bible for application, not just merely for information, right? We're not, we're not trying to grow simply in our knowledge, but we're also trying to grow in our wisdom. How do we apply this knowledge, right? Um, if we're not reading the Bible with an effort to change, uh, then we're missing the point. It is meant to change us. It's meant to make us more like Christ. And so, man. You know, it, it's not enough to observe and interpret. We must apply, right? So, um, oh, I, you know, this is being a pastor of discipleship in a church, right? Like this is one that I'm always harping on <laughs> uh, in our church. Like, y'all got to stop trying to uh, be knowledge warriors, but, you know, let the knowledge form your life, right? So, uh, we're not meant to read the Bible like it's a blog or a social media post. We're we're meant to read God's word in order to change by it. So I really appreciate that Donald uh, drew this out because when we read the Bible like this uh, to change us, um, man, we we will see its effects on our lives. I mean, even in the way like I deal with in my marriage or with my kids, like when I'm in God's word and I'm applying God's word intentionally. Uh, I'm intentionally engaging with it, man, it, it changes the way I interact, right? Like I become more gracious, more patient. I become more loving, more sacrificial. Uh, when I'm not in God's word, um, what happens is I'm more of the opposite of those things, right? I'm maybe harsh with the kids or less, more selfish in my marriage, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, 
when we engage God's word, we must seek to apply it to our everyday lives. Um, and, and when we are applying it, our desire grows uh, because we see how it is affecting change in us. And then, you know, I, I love the next section because it's almost like a, it's kind of like running the codes on a car, right? Check engine light goes on, you run the codes, it tells you a bunch of things. Uh, th- this is kind of that uh, principle. He says, list at least five areas you have not recently considered from a biblical perspective. Then search the scriptures and prayerfully consider one area each day for the next five days. And so the the five things that he draws out are church, your attendance, membership, serving in, giving to, learning in, praying with, fellowship, Lord's Supper, promoting unity, baptism. Like, what does God's word say about those things, right? What Anything that has to do with church, what does God's word say about it? Because remember, we're, we want to grow increasingly uh, and are being governed by God's word. And that includes our church. Then he talks about discipleship, right? Look at what does the Bible say about meditating on scripture, about prayer, evangelism, missions, learning, reading, um, legalism, legalism versus consistency. We want to know what God's word says about it so that we are walking the line and growing up in maturity into Christ. And he talks about family, money, work. There's, there's, so many questions we can ask and analyze what does God's word actually say? And that will help us uh, to be more God glorifying at the end of the day in all of these different areas of our lives. And finally, he asks, train yourself to ask, how does the Bible speak to this? Uh, Yeah. So make this a regular um, pattern in your life. How does the Bible speak to this? You know, you watch a TV show. This may ruin the show. Often I'm watching a, a show and I'll look at my wife and be like, well, this is just wrong. You know, and, and yeah. I'll just like, I'll just, you know, kind of be critical of the show because I said, you know, the scripture is very clear that we don't need to live this way, or this is, this is sinful, or this is wrong, or not, not that the show itself is sinful or wrong, but you know, maybe, the mom sits down and tells the daughter, follow your heart in this, you know, decision, you know, and I'll just groan, right? Because I'm just like, yeah. oh my goodness, like this is not a great way to think. Yeah, because um, Jeremiah 17, 9 says your heart is deceitful. That's right. <laughs> above, that's right. Above all other, right? Yeah. So, and I would add too, Matt, you know, think about your emotions. What does the Bible say about anger? What does the Bible say or speak? How does it speak to despair, or depression? You know, like don't just engage it in a in the functional ways but engage it on your in your personal uh emotional you know I hate to use a word emotional health but it makes us healthy as Christ was healthy right he had every emotion and did not sin so he is our example and the Bible speaks exhaustively about all those things what does this say about fear what does it say about suffering you know like the the more strength you can, uh, develop uh, from putting in reps of asking what is the Bible how does the Bible speak to this you know you you're going to be getting muscle that you didn't think you needed but man something happened down the road in your life and you're and you're already equipped to navigate it why because your your heart and your life is being governed increasingly more by God's word uh, and, and so, Neil there may not be a one for one correspondence right sure. 
you know, this goes into to application and, and we see, you know, sometimes Paul will say something like, don't muzzle an ox, um, you know, a, a worker deserves his wages, those kind of things. And he's talking about pastoral ministry. Uh, you know, some people have talked about how in the Old Testament, it talks about putting a, a parapet around the top of your house and that way no one can accidentally fall off and get injured, right? And so you have this principle where as you are going about your business, you want to protect others from getting injured. So if you have a, a you know a really high balcony, um, put a put a little fence around it for the safety of those that you invite over, or a pool. Uh, yeah, put you a, have a put pool. A, put a, a thing around the pool so your kids don't fall in. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. You know one one thing that that has struck me recently. You know, as a pastor, I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of emails. Yeah. Uh, and just sometimes I just don't want to answer because I have other things going on. And I see the person calling and maybe they're just a, a very difficult person to interact with. Uh, and I was reading in, in Proverbs and it talks about if you have the item to, to give to someone who wants to borrow it, don't put it off until tomorrow. Um, instead, you know, give it to them today when they ask. And, uh, and I've taken that principle uh, more and more where I'm like, someone asked me a question, I need to give them the answer and not just like put it off to tomorrow. If, if I know what the, the answer already is, right. I just need to be better about, you know, that person calls. I know they have a question that may be a little more, I just don't want to answer it right now. Um, instead, I need to stop, answer the question and, and that, you know, so those kind of things are, are ways that we're trying to be more and more governed by what scripture teaches principally um, and direct applicationally. Yeah. So um, I took away from that is I need to ask you to borrow your weed eater. Can you mail it to me? You bet, buddy. It's <laughs> broken. No, <laughs> well, um, you know, kind of in closing, you know, friends, we want to encourage you. Uh, to grow in your desires for God's word, um, yes. put a plan together and execute it. You know, think, think about it, look at your life. Uh, what, what are some changes you can make today um, that will help you to grow in knowledge and love of God? Uh, well, guys, we thank you for listening to the gospel lifeline until next time, Neil and Matt, we out. <laughs>